I need you to tell Molly what I'm saying, but you have to tell her word for word, all right? Word for word. Yes. He wants me to tell you what he's saying word for word. Molly, you're in danger. Now, you can't just blurt it out like that and quit moving around, will you? Because you start to make me dizzy. I'll just tell her in my own way. Molly, you in danger, girl. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Uh, It's holiday time. Merry Christmas. Happy festive season. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Will this, wait, no, not yet. Sorry. Happy almost New Year. Yeah. Happy almost new decade. Yeah, 2020. 2020. New decade, new you. Come at me is a popular one. <laughs> yeah. I get that a lot on my socials. I just feel happy for the guys that make the New Year's sunglasses because they got two zeros to work with again. Oh. You know how when it's like 2017 and they've got to put a lens in a one or a seven and I, I just feel yeah. bad for those guys. Yeah, a one is challenging. Yeah. Big, They've had a decade big of year, trouble. Big year. Two zeros again. What a celebration. We are pumped. <laughs> I, got, I got sent this thing that from my father-in-law that said, when you're signing things in 2020, make sure you write the full date because the scammers, they'll be whacking a whatever. From the roaring 20s? No, like if it's if you write 2-0, they'll write 11 at the end of it. So it says 2011. Well, I don't oh, know. interesting. I don't know what would facilitate that scam, but. They're yeah, out there, man. We're probably going to be talking about scams a bit today. So I thought I'd start with that one. Nice seed planted. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're doing Ghost. Yeah. Otherwise known as the film that made Greg cry. Yeah, the film that made Greg cry. That was the sub, I think that was on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, like a Roger Ebert. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing 1990 again. Yeah, as such, I'm pretty light touch on <laughs> things from 1990 because I've just done a, I've done a couple of good ones from 1990. I yeah. did that. Uh, nice Eyes. Nice Eyes. Um, the IMD story of IMDb, and also that kids say no to drugs mega cartoon. Oh yeah, all star nice. cartoon, all stars. That was also nine ninety. Yeah. So as such, I've got I'm pretty light on this year. Fair enough. Um, so I will do a little quick one. Is now the time I do this? Yeah, why not? Take like us back to nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Um, now as we are doing Ghost. In case you haven't seen this film or the title doesn't give it away, it does deal with theme of death. So I will share a spooky death from 1990, the great, the late great Stevie Ray Vaughan, guitaring legend. Do you know much of Stevie Ray Vaughan's work? I mean, think Roadhouse, that Roadhouse sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's pretty much quintessential Steve Ray Vaughan. He's incredible. Yeah. So he, he died in 1990, tragically, quite young. And the, the reason for his death, uh, he died in a plane crash. And the night, so the day before he died, he told, he was on tour somewhere in the States, on the road. That's what they say in music. They say they're on the road. Uh, he was on the road and he told his bandmates uh, that he had a weird spooky dream where he died. 
And then he died the next day. Ooh. Yeah, that's fucked up. Isn't it? That's like those stories, remember, with the um, when we did Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm-hmm. How they, um, real people were scared of sleep yeah. because they thought they were going to die and then they slept yeah. and they died. They died. Ooh. <clears throat> Bone chilling. Absolutely. Uh, so that is my 1990 story for this episode. Nice. Well, we did do 1990 very recently. In fact, we probably, it might be the most movies we've done. A year. I didn't phrase that well. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying <clears throat> because we've done. And I reckon most people would. <laughs> we've done. We've done Goodfellas. We've done Home Alone. Um, <laughs> that's it. Oh no, uh, Ninja Turtles. Is that 1990? Yep. Yeah. Can you say I lost a sigh? <laughs> I lost a sigh. Thank you. Debra. Who do you reckon would win in a fight? The mum from Raymond. Mm-hmm. Or George Costanza's mum. Oh, man, yeah. They must have auditioned for so many of the same parts mm. ever Wouldn't since they? they were kids. Imagine that their whole lives. <laughs> do you reckon they're like, do you reckon they're like they Arnie mates. and Stallone? Maybe they were mates. Like that's what DiCaprio and his pussy posse, uh, how they formed because they were all auditioning for the same parts. Maybe they were an OG pussy, pussy posse. DiCaprio. Oh, we need to do a DiCaprio movie so we can talk about the pussy posse. I don't know what that is. It's him and his – it's basically Entourage. Oh, even though Entourage was meant to be based on Mark Wahlberg, it started to creep closer and closer to the to the notorious tales of a young teen, Leonardo DiCaprio and his mates, of which he's the most famous. But um, what's his name's in it? Uh, Spider Man, the first Spider Man, Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I heard a story many moons ago. My I, I once worked when I was like twenty with this uh, Aussie bloke who married a Thai girl, and he told me how. It was around the, f- the filming of The Beach oh, and he yeah. was saying that his his Thai wife's friend back in Thailand worked at this really uber resort. So he uh, she was a, one of the um, like maids there. Right. And she said that he had this like, like – sorry, this is where he stayed while he was shooting. Yeah, yeah. He just had this mate who just sat there and smoked bongs all day. Yeah, and then, turtle. And then when he came back, he just punched billies with him and they hung out. Yeah. And that, that was Turtle. it. There yeah. It works. So I've just verified every rumor. Yeah. The, I like The that. what pack? The pussy posse. Pussy posse pack. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. David Blaine's in it, I think. Blaine. Yeah. Twa. 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 <laughs> well, anyway. If you, have, if you haven't seen South Park, do David Blaine. Do yourself a favor. Twa. It's special. Uh, it's special. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Uh, big 1990. movie, 1990. I'll just rattle off the top 10 real quick. Number 10, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number 9, Kindergarten Carve. Number 8, Presumed Innocence. Still don't know what that is. Number 7, Die Total Harder. Oh. Die Harder. Interesting. Um, number 6, Back to the Future 3. Number 5, Total Recall. Number 4, Dances with Wolves. Number 3, Pretty Woman. Number 2, Home oh, Alone. Yeah. Number 1, the number 1 movie globally of 1990 was Ghost. See, I didn't. I wouldn't have guessed that. I know you would have read that out many times. Actually, funnily enough, I've probably read it out once or twice. But Home Alone. I've had the. Probably. I had. I think I had domestic numbers in previous episodes. Which so is Home Alone. I think domestically it might have been number one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, there's yeah. some like. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Both, both of them were like 
sleeper hits, whatever you call them. They yeah. were both low budget. This one, a budget of $20 million and returned $500 million. If you adjust that for inflation, I'm pretty sure it's like a billion billion. Yeah. I assume. Well, I did check out <laughs> what $4 million was adjusted for inflation, which is the number that our friend Sam Wheatley gets murdered over. Oh, good point. Oh, very good point. It's uh, $8 million. Oh, yeah. I'd kill eight, it now. 8.9. <laughs> would you kill me for... <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> okay, fun game. How much would it take for you to kill me? Well, that apartment <laughs> sold in 2016. Probably jumping ahead here. But that mm. apartment sold for 10 point something million. See, that makes sense. And so everyone has to shut their damn mouths about the, the, the fucking home loan house. It sold for 1.5 million. Location, people. Yeah. Location. Um, but also perhaps unrealistic. I mean, maybe she was a super successful... Potter? Potter. Well, we'll get into all we'll that get, stuff. Yeah, Sorry, I, 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 got a, I got a bunch of stuff on that that we can get into. But, yeah, very, very big movie. Did you watch this movie back in the day? I assume yes, and I assume you cried your little eyes out. I did. Can you guess the scene that I cried, having rewatched it now? When I was pretty teary for probably a few of them. Is it when she cries? She cries a lot, though. I'm a sympathy crier. That... that that's not a scene. That's kind of the whole movie. Yeah, that's no, the whole movie. That's because I was trying to. Is it when he take goes into her to Whoopi Goldberg's body? No, I got a boner. <laughs> <laughs> what was it then? Tell her ditto. When no, <laughs> when she, when he went to heaven at the end. Oh, you cried like happy tears. I don't know what tears they were. Right, it's just all too much for me by then. Maybe it was a build up of everything I'd just seen for the hour and fifty five minutes, whatever it was. Yeah, interesting. How old were you then? Well, I think I would have watched it when it was – I don't know if I watched it at the cinema, but I definitely yeah, watched same. it when it was out on video. So let's call it 91. Let's say I was nine. Yeah. Um, I remember a few things. Uh, I remember not knowing what ditto meant. Yeah. Fuck, that's, I, that really bugged me. I, I think that was the first time I'd heard ditto. Also the phrasing of it I always found weird. Tell her ditto. Yeah. Tell her – say ditto. Like what that's, you know, the confused a nine-year-old Greg. Yeah. Oh, show. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? But he was so cool. I remember thinking how <laughs> fucking cool Patrick Swayze Had was. you seen Roadhouse at this I'd, point? Uh, oh, I couldn't tell you. Probably. Mm. In some, to some capacity. But just when he does that little swing out and kicks the at the beginning when they're trying to get the statue into the apartment and he like goes, stand back, everybody. I'm Patrick Swayze. Oh, I forgot. I'm a dancer slash karate man. And he like and jumps perfect, out. The Venn diagram of dancer slash karate man is, is <laughs> that execution. Correct. I'm the only one he, qualified for he this. Kicks the, <laughs> he swings out and kicks the statue and it's to give it momentum to swing back into the apartment. And So if you haven't seen Ghost of the Wild, they're renovating this apartment. They're hoisting up this big statue from the outside. And gosh darn it, they're having some trouble getting it in through the window. They sure are. But if only there was a karate man slash dancer man. Stand back. Stand back. I got this. So dainty. His legs yeah. are together. Perfect form. <laughs> graceful. Perfect dismount. He was such a graceful man. He was graceful. Very graceful spinny kicks. Pirouettes, perhaps. My final memory, if I may indulge, mm-hmm. was trying to type three words into a keyboard and then just like repeat it. I used oh, to see really? if I could try and type because he typed Sam the ghost. Yeah. Type Sam, 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 into the keyboard. Yeah. To scare his buddy Carl. That was good. I tried to do that. Still trying. Can't quite do it. <laughs> and you? I uh, I think I saw this at my dad's house when he was living in Singapore when I was a kid, which is funny now that 
as you were talking, I realized I think that's also Point Break was huge for me there. So maybe we had some kind of Swayze thing going on in that household. I'm sure you did. Might have to ask my stepmom about that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's only a woman. I think it's, yeah, I know it scared the shit out of me. And one of the things that I had forgotten about, not to jump back to the rewatch, but it scared me at the time, but I forgot about was the shadowy, uh, the shadowy thing. Is it that? Yeah. yeah. Those shadow things. But also just his murder. That stuck with me. It was like this time in my life where I think I thought the chances of getting murdered just generally were extremely high. I think they were high. Remember we looked at those well, stats? In, in New York, yes. But I think just generally at that age in my life. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd like I'd watch the news one night and just be like, more. oh, fuck, people get murdered. Like what if someone breaks into a house and kills us? Like mm. that was just a real fear. Yeah. And then the double-edged sword, not double-edged sword, but two things because also – Ghosts. Remember I mentioned before I saw ghosts with bowling ball heads. Yeah. So this was all very uh poignant. Mm. And, and just that that kind of that kind of murder specifically really gets to me. The old back alley. Yeah. And the other one this sounds random, but again I think I must have heard this song around the same time. But you know that Ice Cube song, Serial Killer? No, 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 not serial killers, natural born killers. And it opens with like that couple in an alley. And there's like... No, I can't remember. Okay. Well, luckily... As in Molly and Sam? Almost. Shit, I'm tired as fuck. Come on, baby. Let's get the fuck home. I'm going to miss I hate this neighborhood. Nigga, we're tripping over here and shit. Hey. Oh, shit. Just keep walking. Don't turn around. Here we go again. Hey, nigga, why you fucking with me? Fuck you, nigga, because I can. That always got to me. (laughs) So what I'm saying is I don't necessarily associate this movie with that song, but these are the types of things when I was this age that made me think, a bit like how we were saying on the um, Princess Bride episode that you kind of thought, Quicksand would be a bigger deal than it was. Like it's just this thing, whatever you see. <laughs> and the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, the Bermuda, the Bermuda Triangle, yeah, exactly. Just doing the rounds in the meme world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those type of things where like I just thought, oh, yeah, there's probably a good chance that because people just break in houses and murder people and that kind of thing. I mean the irony of all of this is I ended up living like a street away from where he got murdered. Did you? <laughs> yeah, that was like where the gym is on Crosby Street. Ah, Crosby. Yeah. Anyway. Should I get into the origin story? Press it. Origin story. So this is a very curious one. It's it's an origin story of, of a mixed bag of characters and people and humans and such. And pa- paranormal? Paranormal, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's so interesting. I mean, you see as I go through the different elements, as each person joined the equation, basically no one wanted to work with anyone else on this, which sounds negative, but hear me out. Okay. So uh, basically it starts with a man named Bruce Rubin. Bruce Joel uh, Rubin. The Rubin. Name. Yeah, and he's, a, he's an interesting fella. He's a bit of a weird fella. Very spiritual dude. He, he went to, to NYU, studied Writing, film writing, script writing, writing. <laughs> what's the what's the terminology here? 
But with screen with classmates, screenplays. Yeah, I don't know. With with classmates, Scorsese and Brian De Palma. Ooh, were they like the nerds, or what were they like the bad boys? I wonder. Yeah. What were the class dynamics? Yeah, that's interesting. If anyone went to that same class, let us know. Let us know. It's Scorsese, if you're listening. Mm. Um, Marty. Marty, yeah, friend of the show. Please. Uh, but interestingly, uh, this guy, yeah, very spiritual. He went off on like an LSD journey back in the day, got into meditation, trekking through Tibet, all that kind of shit. But anyway, he was, um, I guess, reading Hamlet and got inspired. Mm. One day I was watching Hamlet, and in Hamlet, of course, at the beginning... Hamlet's father, as a ghost, appears on the parapet of the castle, and he says, Revenge my death. And it really struck me, and I thought, what would happen if somebody had a ghost appear to them in 20th century America and said, Revenge my death? And I thought, boy, there's a really good idea for a movie. No, but this guy, he, he wrote a lot of movies in this, in this, I guess, niche, Jacob's Ladder. That's all about dying, isn't it? And then yeah, Jacob's ladder is a thing. <clears throat> yeah, it's become a saying, right? Probably. Jacob's ladder scenario. But it, funnily enough, he also wrote Deep Impact. Mm. Mm. But anyway, he writes this thing. I guess it's a first draft or whatever. Um, parallel to this, Jacob's ladder was in the Book of Genesis. Ah, a ladder into heaven. Ah, it makes sense. Anyway. Um, oh, well, this is a bit of a tapestry, this one. So then... Rich? <laughs> rich tapestry. So another character, a friend of the show we've discussed before, you may or may not remember, Mr. Jerry Zucker. Do you remember Jerry Zucker? Uh, yeah. At, of, of... Airplane? Zucker, Abraham Zucker fame. Z-A-Z. Um, director of Airplane, The Naked Gun, as a group. They did these projects. Comedy. Comedy guy. He's like, hey, I want to do another picture. I want to do something Maybe a little different. comedy. Because they do serious comedy. Well, a little bit, but he didn't want to do a comedy, essentially. He was like, I want to do something different, a solo project, branch out a little bit, that kind of thing. And um, some executive from Paramount said, hey, this is the hottest script we got. It's called Ghost. He's like, I'm in. But Bruce Joel Rubin gets told of this development and he is, uh, shall we say, less than enthused that the director of Airplane and Naked Gun is taking his script, which is his baby. Fair. It's like, I thought I was getting a Scorsese. Mm. I, I was getting a De Palma. I thought I was getting a Spielberg. What do we know about this guy? I'm just trying to wrap my head around him going, I, I thought I was getting like a, like, you know. Uh, I think he meant it more from like a, it's like wishful thinking. Kind yeah, of, I, I pictured think, a Scorsese type. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he meant he deserved that. Mm. Or, yeah. mm. Sorry. But um, if they met up and they were like, hey, you're all right, guy. And then they started rewriting together and they ended up doing 19 drafts together. So they, they kind of had like this co-ownership of it and everything. It wasn't like some guy coming in and fucking up his script. It was collaboration, baby. So that, that was kind of the, the core creative force. Another interesting tale of comedy getting into drama, which is a very common thing these days, which we'll get a little bit on later. But um, mm. from a casting point of view, this theme continues. Swayze was keen, but they weren't keen on him. And he's like, please, yeah. please, please let me. And they're like, fuck, okay, let's go watch Roadhouse. And then they're like, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Over my dead body, no fucking way, basically. So what did they have to work with at that point from a Swayze perspective? I think they had um, Dirty Dancing. Right? They had Dirty Dancing. 
Roadhouse. Roadhouse. That might be it from what I'm aware of. Red Dawn. I don't know. I think Red Dawn. Yeah, which still, still wouldn't help. His no, case, it wouldn't would help. It? Yeah. Because the, the bit is they wanted someone more emotive, a bit more sensitive. Is that is that right? I guess so. But Dirty Dancing, he's dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's the bad boy. Yeah, the bad boy of dancing is still a good guy of anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. true. Um, anyway, he went in and he's like, just let me read for the role and he won them over. And um, I think there's a lot of respect for him going in and reading for it because at that level you usually you get off it or you don't. Is that and how it works? Yeah, and then like going in to read for it, it's a bit like, oh. Ooh, you have to read. But he's like. I'll do it. Yeah, he wanted to do it. Is this like Arnie getting into comedy? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably the same thing. Hey, and then guess what? Whoopi Goldberg heard about the role um, and they didn't want her. <laughs> yeah. who did, do you know who they wanted for that role? They wanted an unknown. I heard about ghosts. A friend of mine had come over to my apartment and said, oh, I'm getting ready to go to this audition. Every black woman and their mother uh, has, has uh, been out there trying to, to get this part. People have raised themselves from the grave to try to get this part. And I went, oh, and I called my agent and said, is there a reason I haven't heard about it or should I not even think about it? And he said, well, they don't want you, actually. I said, oh, uh, any reason? <laughs> any reason, like, I can't even do an audition? They said, well, they just feel that you're too well-known. These guys are fussy. Isn't it so funny? Yeah. I guess they're being pretty honest. Like, Who they, Yeah, okay, keep going. Sorry, often yeah. in these origin stories, there's like, I had, oh, I've wrote it with this guy in mind, or I, I, yeah. we needed to get this guy, we had to convince him or whatever. And this one's got all the director, don't want him. The star, don't want him. Her, don't want him. But you know how she ended up getting her foot in the door properly? Swayze man. The Swayze man, baby. So he'd landed the gig at this point. Yeah. And then he, they, she didn't know him apparently. Really? That's yeah. cool. Well, he's, he's one of those guys. You keep hearing these cool things about him. What a cool guy. He's a cool guy. <sighs> anyway, the story is he was like, no, nah, I want to read with her. I'm not doing it unless you let, you let me read with her, like give her a proper audition. And then as she would, she blew them away and, uh, and they're on their way. Then we get to Demi Moore. Demi? To me, to me, it is to me. It is to me, yeah. isn't it? Excuse us uh, if we accidentally default to Demi, because in happen. Australia she was kind of just Demi. Yeah, but her her story was more standard. Uh, like, yeah, she's pretty good. Let's put her in the movie. <laughs> I think that was all there is to that. She for, for context, she wasn't a huge star yet. She was known, but she wasn't like a yeah. This was a box certainly office her breakout card. film. And to put her in direct competition with Brucey Boy, they were already married at this point. They were. Mm-hmm. So she, they both. They wanted him for this part. They wanted him for Swayze. Oh, really? I read that. Oh, interesting. He turned it down. That would have been cute. He would have been pretty good in this role. On a few houses, have a few laughs. I don't know. He's definitely not as sweet as. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be sweet. I guess it would be different, and that's not necessarily bad. But yeah, that's the origin story. Pretty straight up and down. Not a lot. Not a lot to it. Um, I'm sure there's more out there that I couldn't find. On the interwebs. On the interwebs. But that's all I could get, all right? So Did give you me check a break. Britannica? <laughs> I just checked Encarta 98. Mm, CD-ROM? Yeah, yes. Um, MS Encarta? Mm-hmm. Should we watch the trailer? Uh-huh. Just, uh, it's just got a bit dusty in here. <laughs> What's the matter? Seems like uh, whenever anything good in my life happens, I'm just afraid I'm going to lose it. I really love you. What do you want? I don't know who's 
What's happening? It's like I think about you every minute. It's like I can still feel you. The problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. You want to move something, you got to move it with your mind. <laughs> Molly, why can't you hear me? Who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Sam Wheat. Please. Say my name. Say it. Leave me alone. I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. She said Sam knew who killed him. Are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you going to tell the police? She knew things, private things. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name on. Well, this psychic woman's got a record that goes back a long way. Don't you see? I'm not a fake. I don't know what's real anymore. Don't open the damn door. He's a murderer. Why are you doing this to me? Do you hear me? Why are you doing this to me? Sam's dead. Tell her I love her. He says he loves you. Sam would never say that. You gotta take all your anger, all your love, all your hate, and then let it explode. Molly? Molly, you in danger, girl. It's an odd movie, isn't it? Is it odd? It's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. Um, I, this is, I think this is one of those ones. Oh, oh. oh we've got a ghost in here. We've got a ghost in here. Envelopes are flying across the room. across the room. Three of them fell off a desk, but yeah. Could be the breeze, could be a ghost. Could be a swayze. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those movies that a lot of people probably haven't seen for some time, although it is on Netflix, at least in Australia. Uh-huh. But uh, you want to give them... A little yeah, a little synopsis. reminder, of course. Set during the height of capitalism, this is a story of ambition, mateship, love, but ultimately of deception and greed. Mm. Yep. Molly Jensen, a boring yet androgynously attractive artist living alone in a multi-million dollar Soho apartment is grieving following the loss of Sam, her... Slightly older yet virile investment banker <laughs> boyfriend <laughs> slash kind of fiance. Sam was murdered in a botched robbery, or so it seems. We are then introduced to Odame Brown, a seasoned fraudster who deceives the grieving, the most vulnerable of us all, by convincing them of her apparent clairvoyance slash dead whisperer skills. Aided by the assistance of Carl, Sam's dopey and even greedier best friend, Odame leads Molly into believing that she is in danger and that Carl is the mastermind behind Sam's death. She even tricks her into having sex with her <laughs> by saying Sam has possessed her body. Carl also almost tricks Molly into having sex with him by spilling a coffee on his shirt. Classic move. Classic move. Classic move. It seems that everyone is trying to have sex with Molly. She's quite hot. Yeah. But a little bit androgynous. Yeah. Well, but yeah. very light. Patrick Swayze is constantly 
picking her up in that sex scene. Yeah, a lot. Probably too much. <laughs> Probably an over-display of power, I might suggest. Maybe it's his uh, really to contrast the power of his touch from, uh, from about, living human to mm, ghost to more, to, that cannot touch shit. Yeah, until he learns how to. Until he does. Has anyone put it more eloquently than that? I don't think they have. I don't know. Mm. Uh, it's also a love story. Oh, yeah. Between Molly and her dead almost fiancé. Ah, uh, yeah. It's true. So um, that's, yeah. that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, the... Uh, Odemi Brown, she hustles both teams. She plays both sides like a like a pirate like on a, both sides. Like a pirate? Is that what pirates do? Uh, the smart ones. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so this is weird. This is going to sound stupid and possibly sexist or whatever, but I have this ongoing thing with my wife where I just don't think short hair works on women for, for me, like as, as a preference. I'm fine with it. Well, here's the thing. In this movie, I'm like, I think this is the best Demi Moore portrait, mm. like, look there is. I'm, I'm like, blown You're away. I'm like, this is perfection. Yeah. And even her fashion and everything, it all just, like, could be today. Yeah. And that haircut was controversial, apparently. Yeah, she apparently she, rock, she rocked up with it. Oh, really? Yeah, she hadn't just, she'd obviously got the part with longer hair and then rocked up with the, uh, oh, with yeah. the boy cut. But it just works. Cause the it night, does work. The night when he dies and she's got it done a bit more fancier, I was like, nah, not in, not into it. When it's just the normal, the boy cut, sounds funny to say in this context. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> when she looked, I love like, when a she, teenage when she looked boy, like a boy, that's, that really got me. A 12-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a, it doesn't sound like much, but that is a big deal for me. That's a big deal. Mm. Um, but before we go too deep into that, what, what were your initial thoughts? With the rewatch? Yeah. Oh, look, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I found. Um, I probably would found. I'd say I found a few gaps in the. Oh yeah. Oh shebang a bang. The but, physics you know, of it all. Like, yeah. I think it was a very nice reflection. It was a. It was like a, a time capsule for 1990. Yeah. It's you know how you watch these films that are just really of their time. Yeah, and especially because there's certain film. While this has been represented in culture a lot with the the clay scene. Yeah. It's not a movie that you rewatch very often, mm. so it does yeah. feel just rooted in that period. Like it hasn't been diluted by rewatches over a number of years. Mm, yeah, that's like true similar, as well. like that's with point. Twins. Like that would to me was like one of those two. Like a lot of the movies we watched, we've watched a lot. I know what you're saying. I think like it's like using Home Alone as an example. Yeah, yeah, you watch that every year. Yeah, that doesn't tell you much about 1990, really. Yeah, Versus other than this. if they had mobile phones, you know. But yeah, this is like ah, okay. I yeah. think, yeah, because I think you get a, you know, you get a view into the office. The office was epic. For example. It was like such a di- different time. <laughs> like mm. there's desks, yeah. like rich mahogany. There's a lot of mahogany. <laughs> yeah. And just all placed kind of. I think I saw your desk lamp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm shooting for. Yeah, yeah. should have got one of those desks. And some of them had computers, which would have been crazy, I guess. And the rest just kind of had typewriters and shit or something mm. not not pens pens and they were just kind of placed throughout the office sporadically sporadically but coming back to Demi Moore her whole look was very now in a way mm. well no, it's not 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 definitively now but you wouldn't bat an eye yeah. if you saw her yeah for me um in the rewatch I I was I'm just like this is a weird movie, <laughs> but it kind of in a good way. Yeah, like uh, yeah. I'm yeah. glad it exists. There's not a lot of yeah. there's not a lot of weird 
just like, oh, what a weird idea and what a weird execution of that idea. And just it's just weird. It's been all over the place. I don't know that I love it or anything, but it's I like that it's there. I enjoyed the rewatch. And I was engaged the yeah, whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was. It what didn't feel like this. I was watching the same old thing. Mm. It felt like, and I think that's. I'm not going to watch again. Like I don't know when I'll watch it again. Nah, yeah, exactly. This felt different. It did feel different, yeah. and maybe it is because we're stepping outside of our usual genre a little bit. But still, it felt different. <laughs> we're into the genre of. Ghost, ghost, ghost romances. Ghost romance. <laughs> well, we have talked about ghost sex before. We have. The copping ghost, a ghosty. Ghost, copping a ghosty. Yeah. Um, a ghost job. This is an, there's another question. Like would you, would you get down with? Patrick Swayze. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg pretending to be a ghost. Pretending to be Ara. Can I draw some eyebrows on her? <laughs> <laughs> she is Son's brow. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't notice it until you told me. I'm a big Whoopi Goldberg fan, let me be clear. But I just happened to notice this time that she has no eyebrows. Mm. Um, That is not a criticism, it is an observation. Mm. Like I have no hair. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You have no um, head brow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I rely on my brow. (laughs) That's it. It is the representation of hair on my head. Exactly. Some got head, some got brow. And that's just the way the world works. The other thing that I noticed in rewatching this was this was my old hood. This is where I lived in New yeah. York. I mean, not on the street. They, I was just on the other side. Did you live near Willie? I lived near. Well, I don't know where he was actually. I think he was up. He was uptown. No, I wasn't there. I was near um, near where he died. Like I was saying, on Crosby Street. There, my so the first place I lived was on Broom and Crosby, which was one block or two from there. But uh, my gym was on basically where he got killed. The back of the Uniqlo store, basically. <laughs> so it's very different now. You wouldn't get mm. moited there so much as you might. Um, copper bargain. Yeah, copper bargain. So that was kind of interesting. But, yeah, I think ultimately I was kind of like, like I was saying, I'm like, this is weird. I can't come to like a, do I love this or do I just find it interesting? Because the, the, oh, I mentioned the Rotten Tomatoes score. Because the Rotten Tomatoes scores were like, Okay, but not great. I think they're like pretty 80? divided. It was like 74 for critic yeah. and 80 for audience. And so because it's, it's not really a no-brainer, this one, I thought it would be good to have a look at what Mr. Ebert has to say about this one. I always like seeing what Ebert, the E-man said because he quite often likes shit films. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's like David. <laughs> no, Margaret Moore, I reckon. Ah, uh, yeah. There are a lot of things I like in Ghost, among them the movie's mixture of humor and the supernatural. And I also like the whole gimmick of Swayze using Goldberg to communicate with his lover, Demi Moore. What I didn't like was that the movie could have been so much brighter and smarter than it is. Demi Moore is so reluctant to believe that her late boyfriend is really talking to her through Goldberg that after a while it actually gets annoying. I mean, how much proof does she need? Goldberg is able to look through the door and say, that's the t-shirt that you were wearing when your husband spilled a margarita read on it and she still doesn't know this is really on the level. The ending of the movie is a combination of traditional Hollywood violence and traditional Hollywood courtiness. I kept waiting for a big emotional release and everything was predictable. Still, it's a clever and inventive effort. I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to recommend it. I do. And I think that's probably pretty fair. Although I disagree with him saying she should have just got on board sooner. Like, it's pretty hard to get on board with that. Especially when... she sees her criminal record and stuff. It's like, okay, fuck. What did She's you? A con artist. Yeah, exactly. She so, was. So I'm on Demi's side on this one. Demi. Um, Demi. So, what did you think of Demi's performance overall? 
So I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I, spoiler alert, had her as my MVP. So, yeah, right. And now, now let me caveat that by saying she didn't have a lot to do. She does play the morning person very well. I just felt like, so I think my one criticism on this would be, I think that like if a 2019 version of this, she would have more of an active role in the plot. But then again, Whoopi has a pretty active role in the plot, so it's not like a gender thing. But she just kind of, she doesn't have a lot to do, but. But but she does. She does it well. Why did she break that coin glass? That was really silly. Because <laughs> yeah. she's going to walk down the stairs? She's got to walk. There'll be glass everywhere. Yeah. She doesn't have a fucking Dyson stick. You I know, was thinking that. A, she would a have regret. a cord and a big heavy vacuum cleaner. Well, it's like that scene in Seinfeld the, uh, when the moil. You can't get enough of a vacuum cleaner. Even on your hands and knees with a magnifying glass, you'll never get all the pieces. And then you think you got it all. And then one day, two years later, you're walking barefoot, you step on a piece of broken glass and you kill yourself. Is that what you want? I don't think that's what you want, is it? Do you, huh? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you, Greg, and I think that is a, a flaw in the picture, would you say? Thank you. <laughs> but I thought she was great, man. Like Even I said. pre, sorry, I guess where I'm going is. Yeah. Yeah, she. I think she plays the part very well. But what about pre-death? Uh, I can't remember. Can't just like maybe that's she's just an emo. She's maybe she's cool. just an emo. She was too cool for school, man. She was quite cool. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't give you a valid reason why I think she's MVP. But I just felt like she really captured my. She captured your attention. interest. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I, I, I was a big fan. Why? Did, why do they have sex at? Do they have sex? Does does Demi and Whoopi have sex? Yeah, I don't or do know. They just like cuddle. I think they would. He was just. I always thought they had sex, but then when I watched it again, I think, I was like, just I think they just have a little. Oh, yeah, but I'd, either way, it was it was poor timing for intimacy because, like, Carl tells them exactly when he, I'll be back at eleven o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that. I was like, wait, is this thing going to happen now? This is not the time for that. Now is not the time for <laughs> this. Some, is the waste time for that. For. For intimacy slash finger blasting, exorcism, whatever it's called, sexism, sex. Oh, ah, the sexist. That movie must exist somewhere. Oh, that'd be so gross. Yeah. Sorry, (laughs) I just have questions like that. That's it. Hey, that is a good bloody question. Also, fire escapes are for running down, not running up. Not running up. What the fuck? Who runs up a fire escape? Climax of the movie. Guys at the door. We'll take the fire escape. I'm like, all right, smart thinking, good idea. They get out of the fire escape and they start <laughs> running up. up. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I guess they're going to an area where, where you get more visual impact on the... Uh, and everyone's renovating uh, in this building. Did you read how they made the noise? No. What noise? The noise of the... The shadowy thing. The shadow. Oh, the no, how they make them? It is a baby crying reversed and slowed down. That's cool. That's quite cool. Maybe that's why you have like this visceral thing. That was still good. That was cool. I thought it was, uh, you know, me. Those I, things I, freaked I, me out when I was a kid. Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. And it's one of those, I don't think that aged particularly badly either because any like imperfections in it just make it kind of creepier. There was definitely like some blue screen in those days things, I think, where they had the 
two Swayze's in and one had like mm. a weird outline around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was because he was a ghost. <laughs> Which, yeah, it kind of makes it sense It kind of worked too. in that regard. Yeah, yeah. But should we talk about how dangerous New York was in 1990? You had a bunch of this stuff in, yeah, in Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. We talked about the the stats, the homicide stats. Yeah. I, I, I found I some stuff them. that yeah, I assume it must be the same stuff. But this was peak, 1990 was peak. Yeah. So in 1980, 10 years earlier, there were... 1,814 homicides, um, which is three times what it is today uh, in New York, in, so Man- in Manhattan. Yeah. I think in Manhattan, maybe New York. I'm sure um, that would index pretty highly. of the Maybe the, though, if you think of Brooklyn and stuff, I don't know. Oh but yeah. Um, oh yeah. At, at the same time, the crack and heroin epidemic is spreading, driving the crime rate higher. By post, 1990. Um, Post-NAM. Post-NAM, yep, good, good point. There's a lot of vets. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, long story short, by 1990, the annual homicide in New York, pe- okay, New York, peaked at 2,245 for the year, which is huge. That's a lot of murder. It's a lot. So I guess based on that other number, it's probably like 500 now, which still seems high, but there's like 8 million people there or whatever. Mm. Um, so those odds aren't too bad. Yeah. But Soho specifically, where this was shot, uh, like I was alluding to before, because I wanted to figure out, like, was it... What could you get shot there in those days? Like how much has Soho changed mm. from 1990 to now? Yeah. It seems like it has changed a lot. So between from 1990 to 2018, um, crime in Soho specifically decreased by 86.3%. So that seems wow. like a... Wow. There was one murder in 2018. So One? Um, yeah. Just one? Just one. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. That was just the stat. They had other stats. Was too. it Willie? It was probably Willie. No, he's dead. Ghost of Willie. Willie was a bit of a one-dimensional character, wasn't he? Oh, I liked Willie. <laughs> you liked him? Why do you like him as a motorer? I liked him. I thought he was a good performance. Oh, he yeah, his performance like, was fine, but it's just like he was—he had an uh, unsettling. Is he nature. in anything else? I didn't look him. Man, he died in real life of. Um, HIV. Oh fuck! From uh, from heroin, like from needle use. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Bummer. He was my he was my low key actually. Really low key VP. Yeah, I thought his performance was good. But yeah, I just mean as a ca- like written. Yeah, it was very like. But why did he keep following doing everything that guy told him? Yeah, that's what I was thinking like, too. Like, is he getting paid? Heaps he of goes there and tells him everything. Because first I thought it was just just a yeah, I'll hire you to take him out, whatever. But they're in this together all the way. It's, What's yeah. his role in it? It's weird. It's unclear. It's very unclear. Um, could be tighter, guys. Could be tighter. Did you also have a dispute with some of the physics of being a ghost? Because I certainly did. Um, probably. Because how can he walk upstairs if he can't? How can he stand on anything if he can't touch things? You see where I'm going with this? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Maybe you just. How does he jump on a train? Does not make sense. The train should go through him, right? Yeah, but he landed on it. But what is it? what's the difference? <laughs> Don't make no sense. He didn't get. And he also, he's not going to hell because he didn't technically kill those guys. He like scared them I was into traffic. That. And that's pretty. What if I did that in real life? It's I pretty just close to moita. Scared people, pushed people onto the road, and then they get hit by a car. And, and heaven like, is not like a heaven? court of law where you can plead your case. Like they know. Yeah, they know if, the, the recesses like, of your mind. Yeah, it's like we know that what happened there. Although if they know, then maybe they know he didn't intend to do that. But what was he intending to do then, I ask you? Um, I got some other stuff. You got some more stuff? I got some more stuff. I think we can't really talk about ghosts 
without talking about the clay scene. Oh, yeah. I knew, knew you were going to say that. It's a pretty big scene, man. And I'm thinking about the movies we've covered. I don't think there's any more iconic music moment. Like Scorsese has a bunch of music things going mm. on, but I don't think there's any single one that's just as it's been parodied a million times. It's, it's like this. It's, that's what I first heard the song. It does speak to the power of music in film. Yeah, man. Like if you replace that. What would it be? Like if if you. Like Little Spanish Flea. Yeah, or <laughs> if you took like um, a song from Pretty Woman. Yeah. Pretty Woman. Yeah, and you could get songs that are close to that, but it just there's something. The idea of the song, like <laughs> longing for a touch and all that kind of shit, when he literally can't touch her anymore. It's literal. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a tie. Well, there. it was written for this film, obviously. Well, <laughs> it was written in 1955 for another film. Exactly. This song has a rich history. Rich. It's a tapestry. <laughs> it's less of a tapestry, but it is fascinating. Did you read about this shit? I didn't. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Oh, it's fascinating. So the song is originally from 1955. Yes, we all know the Righteous Brothers version, but there's like a zillion other versions. And it was originally written by Alex North and Hi Zarrett for a movie set in a prison called Unchained. Song, Unchained, Unchained Melody. <laughs> it, um, it wasn't written by the... Ever, wait, the no. So 1955, the brothers, the 1955, it was written for this movie called Unchained, which is a film about a man contemplating escaping from prison to live life on the run or finish his sentence and return to his wife and family. The song, I think the song was... was on the soundtrack as a song, but it's also in the movie, but one of the characters is singing it in the prison and it goes a little something like this. pretty cool that's very cool it's the visual cool. behind that is uh yeah important yeah yeah we'll put that on the insta um but that was by a that's g- nice the g- actor in that todd duncan apparently very emotive song isn't it yeah yeah so that song was in the movie was nominated for an oscar for best song didn't win and then eventually became more popularly known as unchained melody of which there's a bunch of fucking versions a bunch of versions a bunch in 1955 Alone. specifically. Yeah. And like more than what I'm going to go through, but I'll go through four or five of them. Was there a contest? Who uh, the best version? Oh, it's so weird. It's so fascinating. So, right. First up, Les Baxter. This one, I believe, was. And the Backy Backs? And the Backy Backs. This one was the solo effort. Les Baxter solo without the Backy Backs. Controversial. But I think this was the one that was linked to the movie specifically. Classic. 
So that one was primarily instrumental, I believe. It went to number one in the US and number 10 in the instrumental UK. Instrumental in being instrumental? Yes. Um, but it hit number one in the US and number 10 in the UK. And then next up, Al Hibbler did his version again in 1955. Al Hibbler. Al So that was also 1955. That also went to number three in the US and number one in the UK. Wow. Then we got a guy named Jimmy Young, also in 1955. Jimmy Young and the Youngie Youngs? Yes. Seems that vibrato was very big in 1955. For that guy, it was. Well, in the UK, it was because that one went to number one in the UK in 1955. So this is three different versions of that song in 1955, charting in the US and in this one in the UK. What Um, a fucking boring year for music. It's so bizarre, right? Then even Liberace's getting in on it. Ah. Liberace around 1955. Yeah, he was so old. Yeah, I think he had a lot of work done, right? Ooh, that's how it feels. Anyway, we're gonna keep moving. Next up was Roy ha- Hamilton. Oh, sorry, that that cracked the top 20. Next up was Royal ha- Roy Hamilton again in 1955. Oh, my love, my darling. Hungered for your touch alone lonely time. He's got some velvety pipes. He does. That's not bad too, I'd, right? I it's wouldn't mind good. hearing him hit the big notes. You got a little splice of him getting up go. there. Still my Ooh. Ooh, still restrained though. You know, sometimes you gotta you use some discretion. Yeah, less is more. There were a lot more, by the way. There were a lot, a lot more. Everyone had a crack. Oh, that one hit number six in the US. So again, the charts in 1955 in the US and the UK are insanely filled with unchained melody. Um, <laughs> it's bizarre. It's so weird. And I mean, maybe the charts were a different thing then. Like, it's not like you're watching video hits on a Saturday morning and it's like and you- <laughs> ten versions of unchained melody in a row. Um, or is it? Or is it? But then. Uh, 1963, another version is done by Vito and the Salutations. So this is 63. So... The, this is where the thing starts folding in on itself because this was used in the soundtrack on Goodfellas in 1990. That version was it? Yeah. So Unchained that. Melody. Yeah, me too. It sounds you could picture it, I guess, but I can't. I couldn't place it. And that was 1963, featured in another movie in 1990, Goodfellas. But then, of course, the Righteous Brothers, the version that everyone knows from 1965. We've got to play it here just for closure purposes, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, now we're talking. 
could listen to that all day. There's nothing that you can't add a cello to to make it better. That's a good point. I'm a cello fellow myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Interestingly, Righteous Brothers, there are two of them. But this song specifically... Is their surname Righteous or they are brothers that are righteous? I think they're um, metaphorical brothers, Bobby Hatfield and Bill Medley. They wanted that so on this album, well, on every album they do one solo piece each, and both of them wanted to do this as a solo one, but um, Bobby Hatfield won out, and that's why there's only one voice on that. Oh. I always thought, why is this one person in Righteous Brothers? Is that, like a, is that an ironic name? No, Bobby Hatfield was the one. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking of poor Bill Medley. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the crazy thing about this song, so in 1965, this song was released as a B-side to the single Hung On You, which was produced by Phil Spector, which they were trying to push as the big single. Okay. But all the, DJs kept, all the DJs kept playing this instead. It ended up reaching number four in the US and number 14 in the UK in 1965. So 10 years after the song first came out, um, they recorded their version and it's getting to number four and number 14. I guess this is like Boyzone singing Father and Son. Interesting. Then some, this is, oh, you got more? Well, I got more. So get this. 1990, it's used at this very movie. <laughs> they use it in Ghost. It starts to chart again. Due to licensing issues, I think, for the Righteous Brothers to get any benefit from this, they had to re-record a version. So another version comes out in 1990, which only sounds slightly different, but having just learned, having just heard that version, you should be able to pick up the difference here. This is the 1990 re-recorded Whoa. version. Already can. Obviously, the vocal control is a bit different. He's getting older. It's 25 years, for fuck's sake. Give him a break. Just like the softer, yeah. Is it the same key? Yeah, yeah. But he's not doing all the as much. It's like there's a MIDI keyboard it's like it's playing in the background. It's like it's smoothed over. It all sounds a bit electronic. Well, I'm thinking more his voice specifically, though. I'm talking about the back. You're always about his voice. <laughs> well, that's what I thought was interesting. He'd been in Bobby Hadfield. This years. Bobby Hadfield. <laughs> that. that is. Oh, I think he's still. It's not like when I went to see the Stones a few years back, and every yeah, yeah. song was sung four octaves lower than. Oh, it don't used get me to. wrong. He's killing it. It took me ages to find that because I couldn't tell the difference. But then. Then I noticed, oh, yeah, it's just kind of smoothed over. It's not as rich. Yeah, but it still sounds sick. But here's where it gets crazy again, Greg. History repeating repeating himself. I don't think history is gendered, but history is repeating itself. 1955, we saw it was in the charts from multiple artists at the same time, multiple versions of the same song in the charts. Same thing happened in 1990. The movie comes out. The, The original version is charting. I think it gets to the original version gets to number... 13, the re-recorded version gets to number 19, and for eight weeks both versions are in the charts together again. Um, so it happened again in 1990. It's crazy. It was number one in Australia. It was, number, it was number one song for the year in the UK. People can't get enough of the melody. Yeah, that unchained melody. Yeah, that is good intel. Wow, wow. That's outstanding. Isn't that crazy? I would say that is the pinnacle of the... Um, Origin story of this film. That is that's more interesting than the origin story. Like that's yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, just very quickly in the Righteous Brothers, mm. they also have another 
quite famous oh. film song. What's that? Uh, Top Gun. Oh, what song? You've lost that loving feeling. Oh, is that them too? Where uh, Bill Medley gets his time to shine. Of course he does. You got it, Bill. <laughs> uh, but of course, that was also a sex scene. Mm, that was an as ob- you were saying. It was a funny sex scene. Yeah, because it was very stylized. Lots of close-ups of hands running up and down each other's backs. Yeah, and apparently there was supposed to be an actual sex scene, but they were like, "This is sexy enough, baby. This is real sexy." There was supposed to be a whole other scene with them thrusting. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but the, uh, then would Bill would Bill Murray's brother be calling up? Yeah, Bill, Bruce. Bruce Willis going. I'm just watching Patrick Swayze have sex with your wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who haven't listened to the Roadhouse episode, which is probably a lot of you, Bill Murray did that to his friend's wife that was in Roadhouse that Patrick Swayze had sex with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly, repeatedly. But Swayze. Himself said this was a highly, even though they weren't having sex, this was a highly sexual scene. <laughs> Cleaning that mud stuff and all over your arms, that was, that was pretty sexy. Definitely got my juices going. It's not about jumping somebody's bones that makes a love scene in a movie. It's about the connection between two people in their eyes, and that that's what's sexy. Same thing when you're dancing. If you get that connection, magic happens. Electricity and fire happens. And it doesn't matter whether you like the person you're working with. It can be discussed. As long as the camera reads passion. I mean, we had no idea that it was going to turn into one of the most famous love scenes in history. Well, we're just actors trying to do the best job we could. I found a uh, pretty funny interview with uh, Demi Moore on Letterman. Yeah. But asking about this very scene. The, the gentleman, uh, Patrick Swayze, was yeah. here a couple of weeks ago. He seemed like a really nice guy. He's a nice yeah. guy. Did, uh, did uh, your husband, Bruce, come by when you guys were filming? Well, you know, there was a lot of talk about that, and uh, somebody was uh, talking to the tabloids. They were trying to infiltrate our little group. And they reported that Bruce was standing by during the love scenes with a bat. Yeah. Just in case uh, the hand slid where it wasn't supposed to. They also said that he, he brought the baby out and had her up to think. There's mommy. You remember mommy, don't you? Uh, but did any of that actually happen? No. Yeah. yeah. That's what Bruce's do. You have a few laughs. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I tell you what. Mm. If I'm lying dying in an alley, mm. and I've got one person there to like call out for help, yeah, it's not going to be to me more. Help! Why was she that bad? She's just got a raspy fucking. Her voice is yeah, so raspy point. and like. Point in case, that was a perfectly fine interview. We just couldn't hear Demi. <laughs> That's true. There was no static. It's just her voice. It's her voice. <laughs> she projects She's static. Not, she has no projection. <laughs> she could never be a podcaster. True. Maybe that's why she hasn't done it. <laughs> anyway. Hey, you know what I thought was interesting? The whole uh, comedy director becoming a serious director thing. Mm-hmm. Very now, isn't it? I don't know, is it? It's very now. So... Just in the last five years. Give me one example. I'll give you five. <laughs> Just in the last five years. Give me six examples. <laughs> I'll give you six examples. I will. Um, Adam McKay, uh, better known as Will Ferrell's other half, Step Brothers, Anchorman director. He's, he's done all the Will Ferrell movies, basically. Oh, ah, Adam yeah. McKay. Yeah. He directed The Big Short. Oh. 
Yeah, it was Oscar nominated for Best Picture and won Best Screenplay a few oh, years ago. He's also he's also did the uh, he also did Vice. Yeah, he did, which again nominated for Best Picture. You seen um, that one? No. Oh, but what I was going for with this one was this. All, pretty much all the ones I'm about to read are their first serious movies. So Adam McKay, first serious movie, Oscar nominated for Best Picture, won Best Screenplay. Jordan Peele of Key and Peele, Get Out, Oscar nominated for Best Picture and won Best Screenplay. Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers of Me, Myself and Irene of, of Something About Mary. Something About Mary. Green Book, Best Picture, Best Whatever, Best Everything. Is that that guy? He did Green what? Book, yeah. Todd Phillips, The Hangover. Uh, Hangover 2. Hangover 2. <laughs> um, what's, it, what's it called? No, fucking Frank the Tank. What the fuck? Yeah, old school. Old school. He did just mo- most recently Joker, which is likely going to be nominated for Oscars because it just got nominated for Best Drama at Golden Globes, which is often a predictor. Um, there's a bunch more, like the guy that directed Austin Powers did Trumbo. Is it a, is it a lead indicator? Well, it's interesting. I find it particularly interesting that the first two I mentioned both nominated for Best Picture but won Best Screenplay. Is that like a is that like an Academy thing of like we're not, we're not going to let you have it all? Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a little statue, yeah. but not for the important one. You're in the big leagues now. Yeah, but this similarly his first serious picture by the looks of things, and it, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Score, Best Film Editing, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Original Screenplay, and it won. Uh, best Supporting Actress for Whoopi, beating Lorraine Bracco from uh, Lorraine Bracco from Goodfellas, and um, that was my Lorraine Bracco. Yeah, it was good. It was pretty on point. Um, it also won Best Original Screenplay for Old Brucey Boy, um, not that Brucey Boy, the other Brucey Boy, Bruce mm. Rubin. Mm. Um, but again, there's something interesting in that, isn't there? There is. There's like a uh, Whoopi. Another? Whoopi makes a little comment about it, which I think is interesting. Is it pronounced Whoopi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jerry Zucker let my comedic mind wander. He was, for me, like Steven Spielberg in that he knows what you have in you. So he wants to see what it is. And if there's something he wants to tweak, then he tweaks it. Jerry did all those airplane movies and stuff. So this guy knows comedy. So so he, uh, he was the perfect being to work with me and Whoopi. So I know they're talking about it there in the context of comedy and he's a comedy guy. But is there something in like the idea that comedy directors like get the actors to like, I don't know, improv or like the trust or something. Maybe there's some ingredient there. Yeah. Like, cause I was thinking of with the actor version, cause lots of comedic actors turning dramatic yeah. become awesome. Like Steve Carell, like Robin Williams, like this fucking old Jim Carrey. Yeah. Is it because like comedy teaches you to just be fearless and like, just, I don't know. Roll with. Yeah. Chip. It's interesting. I wonder. Yeah. Like, I know we talked. Directors stifling that. In other films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we talked previously with Jordan Peele, but that was more specifically around horror and comedy because there's definitely something between being scared and laughing. There's like some overlap, something there. But this is different. This is like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't cracked it, but it's interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. Did you spot the Cats poster in the subway? Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck. It's still going, right? It's still going. Well, they've just made a movie. movie. So I did think of that as I as I was Live writing action. as I was writing that note about I'm glad this movie exists. It's heaps weird. I couldn't help but think of cats a little bit. Like I know it's supposed to be horrible. Mm. But I like that it got made and it looks fucking batshit crazy. Like I kinda <laughs> want to watch it. Yeah, respect. It's right? good. It's good that something like that is out there, isn't it? It I think. is. 
Yeah. Hey, we haven't talked about Carl at all. Oh, Carl's a real shitbag. I thought he was great in this. I mean, his performance. Was Wasn't it? it? I liked him. Me too. I came up with a recasting while we were watching the trailer for him. Oh, yeah? Michael Serra. Oh. <laughs> there was one angle where he just kind of looked like him and then I just thought that's about perfect. it and it would actually kind of work. I, I, had, Daniel, I had Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, that's pretty good I too. I think I meant Michael Serra. Because well, Michael Serra for a 2019 version... You could picture him being that, like... They kind of look similar. There's something going on there. And he's there. definitely got that, in, that nervous intensity. Yeah, that nervous energy. Yeah. That guy's interesting. You know, he's like nephew of Hollywood... A grandson of Hollywood royalty. Really? Yeah, Goldwyn. So I assume... Oh, like MGM. <laughs> yeah. He's, um, he's the president in um, Scandal. Yeah, I'm not... Ara watches it all the time. I always interrupt and go, oh, Scandal. <laughs> but he doesn't look that old. He's aged quite well. 50-something. Yeah, yeah, he's rich. Yeah. That's what happens. Swayze was rich, didn't save him. Aww. <laughs> That's he horrible. looked noticeably older than Demi in this movie. So I checked it out. He, he ten, was? He was 10 years older. 10 years? How old was he and she? 38 and 28. Wow. So she was like just some hot, hot. That probably checks out. Though, pottery anyway, for the artist and he was like a. Wall Street bro he with a little a black book. Year old, yeah. You see a little black book? Yeah. Can you give me any recasties? I gave you one. That you had. That was the only one I had. Is, yeah. I just threw some names out. Go. Uh, Sam, I had Michael B. Jordan. Yep. Because he's yep. like, he looks like he could cry at any He's minute. equivalent, like tough but emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Molly, I had Michelle Williams. <laughs> no, um. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz on this Zoe one. Zoe Kravitz <laughs> has not made it into my film. This one actually she would Although work. Although yeah, she, she could rock a boy cut and some long she, big shirts. She really could. Okay. Molly. Wait, sorry, who did you say? Zoe Kravitz. No. <laughs> Said Michelle Williams. Oh, yeah, that works. Carl. Michael Sarah's good. Oda May, I had Julia Dreyfus. Yeah, I like that. Feel like that could be okay. Yeah, that's good. I like I like that a lot. Mm. That's good. Nicely done. Thanks. What about um for Willie? I didn't recast Willie. Oh, he's too perfect. I think he can't improve <laughs> on perfection. <laughs> I thought he was great. He played a junkie so well because he was a fucking junkie. I've, I've Listen had up, Jamie actors. Fox. Have you seen that young photo of Jamie Fox? Oh, Jamie, he does look like Jamie Fox. I present to you Willie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, that's crazy. Uh, so good on the visual medium of podcasting too. <laughs> the ghost really went oh, for it that stop, time. Stop it, ghost. More envelopes flew off. And they're, they're wrapping, legitimately it's wrapping us up. It up. Anyway, still wants to wrap up. Sorry, Sways. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get to the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I think it's a rewatch. It's a rewatch. Like rewatch it again. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a great movie. I don't know if it's a great movie, but it's worth watching. It's unusual and that's rare and 
precious these days. And it's a little time capsule, which yeah. is also rare. It's not precious. a franchise. It's just a random thing that someone came up with once. And Patrick Swayze is actually dead, and that's sad. It is sad. He's a he's a treasure. Uh, this is our last show for the year. It is. Which also is our last show for the decade. Whoa. Wow. So we are, we're a year in. Can we be those douchebags to say, see you next year, guys? We could. See I'd you. prefer it if we didn't. All right. See you next year, guys. Ah, bye. <laughs> bye. Wait, that feels like too short a verdict. We need to work on that. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. I think I did it once. We wrapped up quickly then, didn't we? Bye.